You are listening to the NIHL Flyby with your hosts Matt Lindsay and Dave Ferrari, proudly supported by Skaters Network and Pride Tape. Welcome to episode number 24. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Lindsay. And I am Dave Ferrari. And Davey, still no hockey happening this week, mate. So not going to do our usual catchphrase on today's episode, but let's dive into some other topics, mate. We are, we're optimistic on this podcast and are still planning things in the near future for when lockdown eases, especially in the Hunter region. Um, so things like Stampede, January hockey camps, all that sort of stuff has certainly been on our mind over the last couple of weeks and doing some preliminary um, planning. On top of that, the summer in-house season, mate. So let's dive into a few of those topics to, to get started, I think. Um, with January hockey camps, what do we usually do and, and what are we thinking um, come January? Yeah, mate. Well, uh well, first off, uh, we're back to the Zoom today, and I think it's a lot clearer. Uh, I just want to apologize to everyone last week. I listened back to a little bit of it, and geez, wasn't my audio awful? Yeah, it was not great, but uh, yeah, no, no, no negative feedback, mate, through the week around it. So um, we just kind of thought it maybe wasn't the best policy, so we've gone back to this again. Anyway, it is, yeah, better, better quality, I think. But uh, January, yeah, look, we usually don't do a lot in January, we, we usually have some smaller camps, like three-day camps and such, late January, kind of some prep stuff for the season. Because Ice Hockey Australia generally run their national development camps for the Bandsman Peewee age groups, which is kind of U13, U16 age groups uh, in Newcastle, where they take all the top players from around the country, get them together, bring the coaches as well, and do really intensive um, week-long training camp. Now, that uh, didn't happen last year, obviously, because of COVID. Very unlikely to happen this year just because of the way things are and the interstate travel. So it will likely free up some time for us to uh, run one of our bigger camps. So our biggest camp generally is the July school hockey days. Um, Matty, I know you've never really been a fan of that name that uh, I coined, school hockey days. Yeah, it's a confusing one, mate. Um I don't know if a lot of people get the pun of it, but um, it's I've come to to like it over the years. Uh, and I guess no one really asks why is that the name, but uh, to me it was a little bit confusing. Yeah, and, and you never want to have to explain a good joke, but uh, obviously, you know, <laughs> school holidays, school hockey days. Um, so, yeah, biggest one of them is in July in Newcastle. And we've had a lot of adults come to that as well as kids over the years. I think our biggest number has been around 60. Um, yep. So when we have big camps like that, like that now, what we try to do is um, break them up a little bit. So we separate them into two groups and uh, a morning group and an afternoon group just so we're still getting those high numbers of people coming to the camp. But the, uh, the attendees are getting a better camp because of the better coach-to-player ratio, a bit more space out on the ice to do more game-like stuff so the goal is to run uh, a school hockey days um or even bigger in january when we have that uh that ice availability thanks to or unfortunately thanks to no um, national development camps which hasn't been announced yet but just uh obviously in the planning stages unlikely it will probably happen that's right so yeah we'll certainly keep our uh ears and eyes out for when or if that gets announced but certainly preparing ourselves for that being the likely outcome and giving us an opportunity to 
to offer a few different camps in different age groups to players out there um, in prep for next winter season. And also, um, sorry, Matty, on that, because uh, something we probably should tell the listeners because it's something we've spoken about um, on and off over the last kind of two years, really, but something we really want to happen in 2022 is some uh, adult-specific camps um, geared around players playing in the NIHL or equivalent. Um, they just want to better their game. Maybe they want to move on to, to rep type hockey, or maybe they just want to um, be more confident and comfortable in their own division. So that's something we've had a lot of requests for. We've seen adults, like I said, come to our other camps um, previously and just improve tremendously. But um, we are planning a bit of a, an, uh, an adults only type um, NIHL geared hockey camp where they're doing all the things that the kids would do. Um but just geared more toward that level, that age group. Yeah, that's right. Even more recently, uh, as I was about to mention, uh, gearing up for the Stampede tournament as well. So I know a lot of our NIHL community uh, attend the Stampede every year. And a lot of time, there's a lot of body aches, a lot of blisters after that tournament because it is uh, pretty excessive on the body. But if we look at having... A camp, you know, a week or so leading up to that. Hopefully some of those players can get in tip-top shape ready for that big day. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, let's talk about Stampede. That's probably one of my uh, favourites as far as things we do. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of different things, put on this league, have our hockey camps, work with other um, teams, uh, or clubs, I should say, with a bit of coaching, uh, mentorship and education and stuff. But uh, the Jack Roos thing where we take team a team overseas is obviously a highlight, but Stampede would be right up there as well. It's just a – I shouldn't say it's a highlight of mine personally because it's probably the, the most draining day I have to endure throughout the year. Uh, Maddie, you can attest to that. You've done it on your, by yourself on a number of times now. But um, – I think it's just the seeing the hockey community there. Uh, the rink is a great atmosphere. It's a, it's a really a war of attrition, but the jerseys, the people, the fun, um, just in that relaxed kind of summer Australia day atmosphere. Um, it's just the, the perfect hockey day in Australia in my mind. Yeah. hundred percent. We always talk about through the year, what else we could do differently. And I feel like the stampede always creeps up onto us really quick before we start planning, but Hopefully, uh, with this downtime we've had over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been able to use that to our advantage and, and obviously a little bit longer here with further extension of lockdown. So start really planning what other activities we can incorporate into that day just to make it a bit more exciting and, and community-based throughout the tournament. Um, now, mate, there's obviously not been a lot of hockey happening locally here uh, at a national level, even international level. The the women's uh, tournament is currently being held. Is it actually being held in Calgary or is that just where training camp was? Because I can no, see. Mate, it's all being held in Calgary at the Winsport um, Centre, which is our home base for the Jackaroos trips. So yeah, that's the rink go. where we play okay. all our games out of and have our, our full-time dressing room there. So they are playing out of that rink. That is awesome. Um, and obviously it's being broadcast on TV overseas. I don't have access myself to watch those games, but I've watched a few highlights and it just looks like fantastic hockey there. So um, pretty cool and recommend anyone checking that out if they are a bit starved for some hockey content while we're in the lockdown period here. But also the preseason NHL games are about a month away, mate. I saw online that 
They will be starting near the end of or mid to end of September in preparation for the season starting on the 12th or 13th of October. Um, what are your thoughts around your team, the season in general? Are you ready for it to get going? Oh, absolutely cannot wait. Um, particularly like we're in lockdown here. I'd love for some games to be going on during the day right now. But um, yeah, can't wait. Look, my team in particular, the Flames, um, we're always in the hunt just because we're the Flames. Uh, there's not many <laughs> yep. teams better. But uh, yeah, look, losing our captain um, and one of my favorite players, Mark Giordano, in the expansion draft to Seattle was obviously something that I understand as a team, from a team point of view. It's just, you know, you got to put the team first and um, salary cap and, protect, you know, protecting your other younger assets because Gio is, is an older player. But I uh, really hurt to lose him. Um, and I think we're going to struggle because of that. Uh, really, my only hope now is that we can somehow uh, get a Jack Eichel uh, trade and get him out of Buffalo. Yep. Uh, that I think may save the season. But uh, look, with Daryl Sutter back behind the bench, it's going to be a blue-collar, hard-working team. And I think uh, that that could be enough to get us in the playoffs. And once you're in, Matty, anything can happen. But what about you with the Leafs? Um, oh mate, I'm, I'm excited for hockey to come back in general. And I'm sure once they're on the ice, I'll be pumped to watch them again. But just over the last few years, how deflating it's been with playoff uh, performance and, and they haven't done a lot in the off season. Um, they're very much sticking to the plan as they say, and, and don't want to make too many changes. So they're kind of putting a bit more pressure on the players, the top four to perform and just see where that goes. But there hasn't been a lot that's happened in the off season for me to get too excited about at this stage. So I'll just wait and see once we get going uh, in the preseason there. I know uh, Toronto, I think is the first game in the preseason versus Montreal, I believe. So um, be interesting to see how they go up against Montreal. Cause obviously that was the last team they versed in the season last year, getting knocked out of the playoffs. So um, yeah. Keen to, keen to get it going, but not super optimistic at this stage about the team, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, well, obviously, I think you guys will be a, a contender. I think you got rid of a bit of the dead weight in uh, Jumbo Joe and, and some other things. So be interesting to see. But, uh, you know, that's what I love about the fresh season. It's uh, it's anyone's game, right? Everyone starts with the same amount of wins. Now, Matty, uh, I'm not too sure if you've been on Instagram this week, but, uh, you know, we've had a few jokes go up. And uh, I just would you mind if I run a couple of by you? Sure, mate. Go for it. All right. Uh, I was recently on a charter flight with my hockey team where they seated you according to what position you play. Damn near froze to death on the left wing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, not, not bad. bad. Not bad. So these yeah. are dad jokes, obviously. These are hockey jokes, Matty. Right. Okay. Um, Even better. Do you know what an enforcer does on a hockey team? Uh, fights people, hits people. Just checking. <laughs> that's okay, not bad. That's a bit better. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a better better one. And uh, my local hockey rink just reported their Zamboni driver has gone missing. <laughs> Sorry, this one. <laughs> oh, gets, you love this one, dear. This one gets me. Uh, they hope he resurfaces soon. <laughs> oh, nice. Not bad. And then, I was thinking uh, it was going to be... Um, Oh, didn't there used to be a fridge joke back in the day that it was running or something down a hill? No, oh, I don't check know your fridge. That, but... is, is your fridge running yet? Well, you better chase after it. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yep. That's um, what I thought you were going there. And then one bit more relevant to yourself. Uh, why did the boy climb up the tree with the hockey stick? Because he wanted to join the Maple Leafs. 
Uh, clever. Not bad. And, uh, Not and to bad. wrap it up, uh, why is the hockey rink hot after the game? Because all the fans have left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't mind it. The, the second one was the best for me, for sure. Um, you put them on Insta- our Instagram, did you? They're, they're on our Instagram. So, oh, there you uh, go. Everyone, Any good feedback? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hit, <laughs> hit, hit and miss, hit and miss, mate. Hit and miss. Nice, well done. Um, uh, yeah, that's all I had. Very for, good. They're, they're the gags, gags of the week. All right. Well, going back to some more feedback, uh, had one of our um, frequent listeners, Sherry, write into us. And I just thought it was cool to share quickly her. She had a similar story to the one I mentioned around pucks uh, where we were talking about using hockey equipment and, and stuff around in different places. And I'd mentioned that a friend of mine had used some hockey pucks underneath the bathtub to prop it up. Um, similarly, Sherry had uh, suggested this idea to a company uh, who were having dish, uh, difficulties with their machinery and vibration, uh, apparently disturbing the concrete and stuff underneath. And she had similarly suggested pucks underneath uh, that machinery to stop the vibration. Apparently it works. So I thought that was pretty cool. There you go. There's uh, a lot of uses for them. I know currently, actually, sorry, not currently. We got a new one not long ago, but um, for the first few years we lived in this particular house, uh, you know, the tray that you put all your cutlery in that goes in the drawer. So it separates your knives from your forks, from your, your spoons. Um, it was a, a cut to fit one, which fit uh, width wise, but not length. And it was exactly a hockey puck height at the back of the drawer. So I just put a hockey puck at the very back of that to sit it in place and totally forgot about it until I replaced that uh, yeah, a little while back and uh, that rolls a hockey puck. So I think everyone's probably got one chucked somewhere doing something uh, they may have forgot about. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, we've done it the last couple of weeks again, Davey, jumping into some NIHL stats. So this week I dove a little bit into the Division Two Outlaws and the two Division Four teams, which is uh, slowly becoming our favourite division and teams to watch uh, very closely. But to start with the Outlaws, mate, um, they were sitting in third place in Division Two with a 1-1-1 record. So they were sitting at 500 win percentage um, with a plus two differential. So not a bad start, uh, you know, one, 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 which we actually see similarly in division four when I get to them shortly. So yeah, looking at the outlaws stats and rosters, I'm sure you could guess who is leading the way on that team, mate. Oh, it'd have to be none other than uh, Hunter Almasi. That's right, with a non-surprising five goals and no assists, mate. Classic Al Massey fashion. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's uh, <clears throat> he's a dominant player, and if this was the NHL, he would be getting paid uh, quite handsomely as, just because he's a prolific goal scorer. But um, look, as a, as a coach and a hockey observer, he I just know he has a whole other level to reach in his game, and that's not taking anything away from Hunter as a player. Like I said, he'd be very well paid. He's, he's, um, you know, massive addition to any team he plays on in the NIHL, and and he's going to have a, a long career as a hockey player. He has a lot of talents, but uh, he needs to find other areas of his game. Very similar to other kind of superstars we've seen come through Newcastle: Hayden Sheard, Liam Manwaring, that were just so dominant at the the Pee Wee Bantam and midget levels. Um, so dominant in fact that they they wouldn't use their teammates as much as they probably should have. Mm. 
Um, and then when they got to the next level, it probably took them a little longer than it should have for them to really uh, fit in and figure it out because, you know, at the top level, there's just never uh, a time where you can um, not use your teammates, uh, if that makes sense. Like you you have to be able to play with line mates, even if you are a shooter and even if you are a guy that's going to score more than get assists. Um, and watching Hunter plays, just as impressive as he is, I just see so many areas where, um, he can really use his teammates and not only is that going to make um, him a more effective player and make the team better, but it's going to open up so much more for him individually. You know, uh, Maddie, we both played defense and when we're defending against a player, if we know that their tendency is to keep it, they're much easier to defend. Whereas yep. if they're a dual threat of, are they going to move it? Are they going to keep it? Um, it really puts us at a disadvantage because we're, we're having to play them at kind of 50%, if that makes sense. Yep, absolutely, mate. Um, now back to the the rest of the roster. Yeah, sorry, um, I get sidetracked there. No, that's all good, mate. I like it. I like it. Uh, so the young guns, like the young guns on this team, pretty much are paving the way uh, with Almasi, Toomey, and even uh, Dewa as well. So the last two seasons, autumn and winter, they've all three of them have been in the top four, I think, point producing players on that team. So it's an interestingly built team, I think, with you know, the young guys uh, sort of dominating the scoreboard and then it's filled with a lot of uh, kind of middle-aged sort of people who are very solid players, um, may not be the the high point scoring, but certainly have a lot of experience. And then obviously the tail end of uh, the team with my my old man and Phil um, providing that wisdom and hopefully a bit of direction to those young young players. Uh, it's certainly a, an interesting uh, mix of, I suppose, skill, experience, um, and performance. So there's no wonder they they were in the, the finals in the autumn season. Um, and, you know, if we're able to figure out a way to finish this winter season, it wouldn't surprise me again if they make that top two. Yeah, absolutely. And what's cool to see with those guys is that, you know, something we haven't seen in quite some time is, is kind of like a generation of hockey players all coming through together. Um, you know, you look at, at uh, Hunter, Flynn, Scotty Dewa, you know, Ollie Dalzell is not far behind them. It's, you know, it's really cool to see them playing on the same team. And it's just that next kind of wave of talent that if they stay together and, and keep playing, keep improving um, like we know they can, you know, eventually they're going to be kind of like that, that Div 2 Hawks team that's just a really formidable force um, with a tight core group of players. So it's really cool to see. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the Division 4 teams now with the Cyclones and Blackhawks, mate. Uh, on the Cyclones, there is three players with over a point a game average. Can you guess who those three players might be? Oh, okay. Cyclone. Well, it'd have to be Reese Berger. Um, but yeah. Berger. Berger. Oh, I got Every time, mate, I we'll get there. Correct. But yes, that is correct. That's one of them. Um. Cyclones. Okay. Now, uh, I would probably say Ben Armstrong. However, I know he's been focusing on defense this season, mm -hmm. um, but I still reckon he's got a few assists in there. So, yeah, I'll probably say Ben Armstrong would be my second. Okay. Unfortunately not. He He's Ooh. in top four, but not top three. Okay. Okay. Um, and I would say... Uh, I'm not going to count Kyle Sullivan because we moved him up to division... Yep. Uh, three i'd probably say a player like 
Bailey Philpotts. I know he had a, a bit of a ripper start to this season. Mate, uh, spot on. Well, I'm, not, I'm not giving you another guess, mate. You've already guessed three. Okay, one yep. was wrong. Two were right. But uh, one that may surprise you is Chelsea Bauer. She's actually leading the team with five points in the three games. Wow. Great job, Chelsea. That's uh, that. Yeah, that. Not one I picked, but now I think about it, not surprising. I know she's been doing some good work in Div 4. She's one of those players that's played a lot of games in Division 3 because we never had a Division 4. That's right. Um, but it's and really seeing the fruits of that, you know, just going down, getting some extra development and uh, playing a bit of a leadership role down there too. And, and wow, those points, very impressive. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really glad to see Chelsea back out there. She did have a, a break for a number of seasons uh, just because of work clashes and things. And I love that the seasons have been able to work back out for Chelsea and she's back out there and, and obviously dominating Division 4 right now, which is great to see. Um, looking at the Blackhawks, mate, there is two players on their roster with over a point per game average, and that is our favourite mate, the Booty, um, and then also yeah. Matty Botham. So... Uh, two oh. guys that are relatively new, I think. I'm not sure if Maddie played the autumn season, but uh, this was Mitch's first season. Um, I don't think Maddie did, but okay. uh, I've been wrong before. I yeah, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Uh, looking at the teams, though, mate, the they are similarly uh, tied with 5.5 win percentage, similar to the Outlaws mentioned earlier, with a 1-1-1. One, one, one. So one win, one draw, one loss apiece. But the interesting stat is the Cyclones are plus six um, in their plus minus. So six extra goals. Obviously, uh, I mentioned that there was three players with over a point of game average. So that's kind of probably a, a significant factor with that. But they are they do have, I think, 10 goals on the year and only four against. So obviously, even though the, the teams are tied right now, the Blackhawks still have a little bit of work to do. Yeah, we just love how close this division is. Um, and just seeing that that kind of rapid development out of all of these players, whether they're getting points or not, um, you know, if you were to watch some game footage of Division Four at the start of autumn season, um, and compared it to Division Four now at the start of the winter, it's just drastically improved in just everyone's skating ability, confidence handling the puck, making making passes instead of throwing it away, um, and it's just great to see. All right, and that is the NIHL stats for this week, Davey. So we'll uh, go back to the start again for next week and dive a little bit deeper into some other teams. But let's move on now to the Pride Tape sightings segment where, unfortunately, wasn't tagged in any social media posts this week um, or really haven't been on a lot of social media, so I haven't come across too much. But have you seen anything with Pride Tape sightings this week at all? Um, oh, look, seen a lot on the socials, uh, but nothing, nothing new that we can give the, uh, the pride tape raw to, mm. um, and this isn't pride tape related, but I'm going to jump in now and just want to share to you something that, uh, one of our players has sent through to me, something they share online. Often they're always putting some great nuggets out there for their, their teams and divisions. But, uh, tell me if you've heard this one, Maddie, mm-hmm. a little bit of a quote, never let success get to your head. And never let failure get to your heart. So a bit of a deep one there, but uh, yeah, thoughts like on that it. one? You like That's it? That's good. Yeah, philosophical. Um, they're always they're always good, um, and I, I think that rings true for for sport. Um, you know, as I guess there's a difference between letting success get to your head and being confident, because you certainly, when you think about a team, 
uh, and, and working towards playoffs and winning a championship, you certainly want to try have confidence, but you don't want to be overconfident. And I suppose that's what that quote is sort of relating to as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. I really, really enjoyed that one. Um, but yeah, other than that, back to the pride tape, uh, no new sightings. Look, it is still available. Um, like we said, we, we were able to um, get some of the stock out of the the rink, which is locked down right now, and and uh, have it with us. So if someone does want to put an order in, that is something that we can ship out during this lockdown time. Um, and yeah, you might find another use for it, uh, similar to Rosanna, who um, did her lawnmower, which we gave a shout out to last week. And you can also find a picture of that on our uh, Instagram page, Newcastle Ice Hockey. That's right. I love to see that. Uh, all right, well, let's jump in to the favourite segment, mate, of... All right, Davey, uh, I'll pass it to you first, mate, to announce the uh, mystery player from last week, and I'll jump in with the winners. Absolutely, mate. Um, the mystery player from last week was Scotty Dewar, or Dewar. Uh, we we use both Scotty Dewa, mate. I think what gave it away um, a lot of feedback I got was the great flow. Obviously, he has those uh, those blonde locks coming out of the helmet there. A lot of style out of this young man, and kind of the the seven a.m. Monday Wednesday crew. The, those who go down the stick and puck would know Scotty. Um, just an absolute workhorse. Often first to arrive at the rink, last to leave putting in a ton of work. That's where he does some work behind the camera for JFK, filming a lot of the JFK skills sessions that he runs during that time um, and just can't get enough of it. Obviously, big Detroit Red Wings fan. Um, so there we have it, mate. Excellent. And who I noticed, and I hope I haven't forgotten anyone here, but who I noticed picked Scotty Dewa for this week was the classic Sherry and Brandon McCormack, mate. They're back on the board. Uh, Oliver Dalzell. Scotty Dewar himself, Ben Armstrong, and Tommy Z, Tom Zantano, the stats man. So congratulations to all those players that picked the right guess. Um, guys. Mate, interestingly, I don't know if you noticed, but Al Massey actually has uh, a lot that uh, you spoke about last week being the mystery player. So I actually was going to pick Al Massey because he's played, I think, 29 games in his career and he's got 64 points. Uh, wow. which is quite impressive. But um, I suppose the only thing that didn't really ring true was the the flow comment, uh, as I think yep. he's got pretty short hair. I don't really see it coming out the back of his helmet, so I'm yeah, assuming it's quite let short. The fro- let the flow grow. There you go. All right. Well, uh, that's the answer for this week. Uh, last week, sorry, mate. But who is this week's? All right. This week's Who Are You? This player, born uh, in 1985, so actually a bit younger than myself, uh, just over 100 games. Only just, mate. Only just, only just. <laughs> just over 100 games played in the league, uh, just under 100 points in the league, and their goals and assists is roughly 50%. Actually, you could you would have a tough time getting it closer to 50%. So um, for every goal, they're banging in, in an assist as well. Or I should say okay. for every assist, they're banging in a goal. Um, an interesting fact for this player, um, they're, they're a bit of rock and roll on ice. Uh, they're a bit uh, all over the shop. But when I first noticed this player at a drop-in years ago, um, I thought there is a bit of a diamond in the rough. So um, 
this player has been scoring goals for two teams in their career, uh, and that is this week's. I love it, mate. I think that's going to be back to being a tricky one, uh, just based off what you said there. So we'll wait and see if the the regulars can pick that one out, or if we're going to go, uh, you know, a two stroke on our win scoreboard. Very nice, mate. I like it. Now, um, can I jump in here and just? Sure uh, well, first of all, I should have jumped this right off the bat because uh, I've noticed sometimes when I listen back to myself, there's uh, there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of air in my voice. Um, and that is because I'm missing a tooth. That's bad. Which uh, most people probably know if you've seen me around the rink. But, mate, this week, um, Monday, in fact, I went uh, and got an implant started. That's good. So uh, I'm now three months away from getting a new uh, chiclet put on the end of that and uh, no more missing tooth. That's good. So I'm not familiar, mate. I've got perfect teeth. So is that... uh, is that no longer on, you know, a, a wire thing? Is that actually just in it the will mouth? Be. It will be eventually. So what they do is the first step is that uh, they they drill in uh, to your gum. That's bad. And put a uh, implant in the gum acting like the, the kind of root of a tooth. And okay. you leave that in there for three months for the bone to grow around it. And then you go back and you just get a crown put on the end of that. So it'll, it won't be removable, not by me anyway. Um, and yeah, it'll look all, all, uh, yeah, I'm going to miss nice that gap tooth. though, mate. That's oh, good. Yeah. I know the straw gap, mate, a lot, a lot easier to drink <laughs> out of the straw, but, uh, so anyway, um, there you go. So when I, when we get back to playing, mate, I'll probably be sporting the the full face cage because uh, that needs to heal. The bone needs to heal around that for three months and, and can't really be disturbed too much. <clears throat> Otherwise, it might be starting from scratch, which I can't really afford to do. So it might be seeing me sporting uh, okay. a cage around the shop. At least we're not in AHL anymore because you in a bird cage, the way you play, yeah. would have absolutely frustrated other teams, which may have been a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. I can't think of anything worse than you out there <laughs> with a birdcage on running your mouth, mate. Yeah, no, nah, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be happening. So, but the AHL days are behind me, and uh, that's why it's a good time to get this done. And uh, I got to say, I was a bit nervous going in, Maddie, about the, you know, I've had one done before and it was a little bit painful, but that's bad. Um, absolutely zero pain. Uh, from didn't feel the needle to didn't feel anything else. So uh, well, I felt other stuff, but no pain. So if anyone has to go in to get some dental work, uh, rest assured it's come a long ways and uh, pain-free. Excellent, mate. I'm really, really happy to hear that that's gone successfully for you. Now, you just mentioned AIHL days are probably behind us, mate. And interestingly, um, had a, a comment the other day saying that, you know, I, I don't know why or you know, how we've gotten this far with the podcast and people enjoying tuning into what we have to say, mate, because I don't know if it's that interesting. But anyway, we um, had a comment around potentially looking at being involved in the AIHL team when they come back, hopefully next year, around, you know, doing some post-game podcasting, some player interviews, sharing our thoughts um, through, I guess, the years that we've played in the league and, you know, different players we know from different teams and, and a bit of insight and stuff. So, um, something that we we may dive into in the the future. Um, not going to say no, but what do you reckon? Do you, do you reckon we can uh, transition a little bit to the AHL space as well? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I reckon we could, uh, particularly around the North Stars and uh, 
games involving them, but um, yeah, just kind of comparing matchups, talking about games in review and uh, what to expect, uh, little inside information. Um, I think definitely, and I think that's something our listeners will enjoy, uh, given that feedback that we've we've received. Um, on that as well, with feedback, we've had some great um, suggestions of uh, of interview. Uh, I was going to say subjects, but um, interview people to interview, mm. um, and even some of them being a bit more longer format. So that's something we do want to do. It's just a little difficult right now because we're not both in the same room with our fancy machine. When we are, we it's a really good setup to get people on the phone, and, and the quality is really good. Whereas right now, um, we're kind of doing it at our best, where we we do the cold call, and and it's okay, but for a longer. Um, kind of more full-on interview we're just kind of going to wait till we're back in the same uh room or, or studio we should should call it yep, that's um right. yeah so we're not putting well, we are putting those off but we're definitely not ignoring them because that's something we will get to but yeah i had gel mate i think uh that's something that we we enjoy talking about we talk about it weekly regardless so uh we'd love for that to be part of the podcast um when it's back up and going all right davy time for one of our favorite segments mate where we get to uh, do a bit of a deep dive into to someone's playing history and seeing how they got into the sport and what they're thinking of the NI season so far um, in this week's NI Cold Call. Ring, 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 banana phone. Stephen Lindsay. Stephen, you are joined by Matt and Dave from the Flyby, mate. How are you going? Ah, boy, do I feel privileged. I'm going very well, thank you. Excellent. Now, I have tried to call you a few times now, but uh, didn't answer the call. Apparently, you were down at Chopping Wood. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, someone's got to keep the uh, Bunsen burner going inside the house here, so I decided I might as well do it. So, yeah, but down there's on the saws, on the tools, on the axe, having the time of my life. Why wouldn't I? Oh, I'm going to jump in here, Matt, before yeah, you go get it. going, because I know once you get going, you just won't stop. So, <laughs> Steve, um, obviously lockdown, we're away from the rink for the second time the rink is closed during this COVID, but what's the longest you've ever been out of your ice skates for? You've obviously been involved with hockey your whole life. Is, is this up there? Oh, this would be way up there. I mean, injuries is obviously the thing that have kept me away from the rink from time to time. Uh, Certainly uh, that uh, one that we had over in Bulgaria, Dave, where I had to lean on you a little bit. And Andrew Reynolds was, uh, was a long time away to be from the skates and that. But uh, other than that, this has been hard. And I've had a lot of guys reaching out because, you know, they're missing it. Absolutely. I think we can get into some injuries uh, a little further, Matty. But I did cut you off, so go on. Yeah, no, that's all right, mate. Um, what I wanted to dive into a little bit, Dad, was just to, I guess, educate the listeners uh, a bit about yourself and your playing history and, you know, your travels to North America for a period of time and all that sort of thing. So can you give the listeners a bit of a background about yourself and your playing career? Yeah, sure. I'm the eldest of uh, five boys, six boys, I should say. And we went over to Canada when I was nine. Dad wanted to get his PhD in physical education. And in those days, that was the only place really he could. So we went over there and then someone showed me these upside down pair of boots with some sharp knives on the bottom and said, this is what we use here. I said, oh, okay. So by pushing a chair around, I learned how to skate and then very, very quickly rose through the Bantam, uh, Peewee Bantam midget level, went to played in uh, Halifax 
in Nova Scotia. We went over there for a year, and then uh, Dad decided to come back to Australia when I was 17, which was disappointing because I was uh, in the last hundred of the cup for the Edmonton Oil Kings, which was a junior A team over there in Canada, and I was very, very proud of that. But anyway, came back to Australia and helped set up the hockey program in Queensland. It was at its uh, infancy. And uh, so myself, my brother David, and my two other brothers, Bruce and Graham, we all formed, formed the boomerangs up there and got that up and running. And then in 78, I sort of realized that hockey in Queensland wasn't going anywhere, so I was going to go down to Sydney and play. Um, but uh, I got waylaid in Newcastle, a uh, brand new rink here in Newcastle at Wharf Road, and was asked to run the hockey program here. I said, sure, no worries. So got into that. Played in the first National Hockey League, uh, which was just a wonderful experience for the Newcastle North Stars. Uh, we got to the semi-finals with the Sydney City of Sydney All Stars, who were All Stars, actually knocked us out, which was a bit of a shame. Um, but they were a very, very good team. Very good team. Won the scoring that year, which was uh, sorry, won the best and fairest award that year. I got beaten by the scoring by one point by Daryl McDonald, who was a, a Sydney player, so oh, yeah. it was a bit disappointing too. But anyway. Then the ring shut here in 81, so until 2000, it was traveling backwards and forwards to Sydney. Four hours down, four hours back. Sydney never a freeway in those days, and I played for the Sydney Bears for five years, and they were great years as well, too, with uh, with Gary Dore, of course, Phil McGuinness, uh, Brant Palmer. I mean, there's, there's a heap of people got involved in that, but after a while, I just got a bit too much that travel, so I started playing field hockey, started playing softball, started playing any sport you can name, soccer, the whole lot. Until 2000 when the rink opened and again another wonderful opportunity to get involved in hockey and uh, help start a hockey program that Don Champagne and Brant Palmer got in. We had the old red, white and uh, black divisions, They're very similar I guess to the things that are happening now on Monday nights with the Learn to Play program. So it was uh, it was exciting times, playing the first senior B team that uh, won the championship for Newcastle North Stars in the non-contact league. That was exciting. And then actually played one game for the new Newcastle North Stars when they had about 80 guys missing one night. And Gary turned to me and said, can you play? I said, oh, I don't really want to. <laughs> so only lasted about two shifts, I think, and that was it. So anyway, it was good fun to play again. Wow. Okay. There's lots to unpack there, I suppose, when looking at your uh, <laughs> long history there. I didn't expect you to go... As detailed, but that's great. I want to go back to Wharf Road quickly just because I know Adrian Parrott, uh, who's one of the North Stars club members at the moment, um, he mm-hmm. has frequently mentioned to me that you actually coached him uh, when he started playing in Wharf Road. Is there any other players in the mm-hmm. North Stars community at the moment that uh, you may have also coached during that time? I think they're old and dead now, Matthew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, I, I really don't think so. It was uh, Darren Kennedy, but um, he's yep. moved back up to Queensland now and he's not really hanging around anymore. Uh, I coached Phil McGuinness, but he didn't really come through the junior program um, at all, but uh, he's still sort of hanging around. Yep. Other what than that, there's Brad not Cooper? really that many. Oh, of course. Thank you. See, I have no memory. Yes, go. of course, Brad Cooper. And uh, yeah, he was, he was a dangerous player on the ice because if you had your head down, you were going to get hit and you were going to get hit hard. He just loved that part of the game. I think that's why he played. No other reason. I think if he scored a goal, he wouldn't know what to do, how to celebrate or anything. <laughs> that's probably why he's, uh, his hip are always giving him grief nowadays. <laughs> no, you could be right. You could be right. It does catch up to you eventually. Yep. Now, you mentioned the – before Dave jumps in here again, um, I just wanted to ask one more thing quick around the history there. You said that you won best and fairest, uh, lost the scoring title by one point, 
Um, what was your mm. sort of proudest playing uh, moment, I suppose, looking at your playing career? Oh, indubitably, the very first game that the uh, Newcastle North Stars played in that rink at Wharf Road in uh, 1979 and the very first National Ice Hockey League, we were playing against the uh, uh, team from Melbourne, uh, the Ringwood team, and they were announcing the guys before the game and uh, they announced their team, this guy played for Australia, this guy played for Australia, this guy played for Australia, and then they announced our team and uh, this guy plays for, uh, well, he just started playing last week and uh, this guy's <laughs> playing for Newcastle and, we were nowhere near as experienced as they were. And as the game went on, they were way ahead. In fact, they were up 6-1 at one stage. And then just through absolute sheer luck, I think, and perseverance, we got back to 6-all and there was 30 seconds to go. And uh, Brother Graham got the puck on the left wing, went down, drew the defenseman to him, passed it to me in the middle, and I was a breakaway then. And, of course, no pressure. 30 seconds to go, 6-all game, pace, place absolutely packed with people. And for some reason, the goalie came charging out at me, so I just skated around him and put it in the empty net. So it was pretty anticlimactic, to tell you, in the end. But then the place just erupted, and we had fans running on the ice and screaming and yelling, and uh, someone thought I had to try and get remind them there's still 30 seconds to go in the game. And they were very tense 30 seconds, because obviously they'd pulled the goalie and they threw everything at it. But we won the very, very first game in the Newcastle rink, so it was wonderful. That's awesome. Davey, I'll pass it to you now, mate. Thanks, mate. That's uh, some great history there, Steve. And uh, I don't want to make you feel even older, but you've just been around <laughs> the game uh, for so long. It would be, it's pretty cool to see, you know, those Wharf Road days, which I've only seen in pictures. And then, um, you know, you've been around the Hunter Ice Skating Stadium, uh, its whole existence, uh, and some pretty cool stuff has happened there. But um, I'm sure a lot of people know you. You're um, one of the, if not the most decorated coach in Newcastle. Um, and that's taken you with the Australian national team all the way around the world. What a, uh, I know being that involved in that program as well, it takes you some country, to some countries that you probably wouldn't visit on your holidays, but uh, you're fortunate enough to get to visit with the team. What are some of the best countries you've visited in that role? Well, I love going to Czechoslovakia only because you know, the Czech Republic, not Czechoslovakia, that shows my age, Czech Republic, because <laughs> they're so well organized and they did everything really, really well for you and uh, nothing was too much of a problem. And if you needed a spare goalie, boom, the guy would suddenly turn up for you. If you needed a team to play against, bang, they were organized and made it all happen. So that was just a, just watching a really first-level country get that set up was wonderful. I mean, my very first year, 2008, and when Matthew first made the team and uh, going to Toronto, and again, very well organized with all the different pads and everything. So again, just to be able to go to, to countries where hockey is a... A first-level sport, it's not a 10th or 15th-level sport. Um, like it can be here in the Southern Hemisphere. But as I keep saying, we are the best team in the Southern Hemisphere. We are number one. So it's a pretty <laughs> uh, pretty important thing to tell people. Um, Absolutely. I also, I, I also enjoyed uh, the year that we went to Taiwan, uh, 2009, I think it was. And it might have been 11, 2011. But anyway, uh, we won the tournament, which was wonderful. So we moved up to Division 2, but... Just the, uh, the the rink was wonderful, except all the restrooms were downstairs and you had to walk over ceramic tiles to get up to the ice. So we kind of figured that wasn't going to be real good. So <laughs> they somehow went and found a whole bunch of skate blade uh, covers that they were able to put on so the guys could walk up the steps. I'm talking about there was about 50 steps. It wasn't one step so they could get out onto the ice and play. But that was also the year that Mongolia was in it for the first time ever. And uh, the, our team, after seeing how... Mongolian players were swapping sticks on the uh, bench because they didn't have enough for the team. But at the end of the game, 
So we went round and gave the Mongolian team all their spare stuff, their spare stick, their spare skates, their spare equipment. It was just a tear-jerking moment. It was just phenomenal. And they're the kind of things that I remember about, uh, really about the international. It was great to win, great to get gold medals, great all that in the share and see these guys that have come up now through the AIHL is, is just amazing. But those are the sort of moments that you realise that uh, people are wonderful. That's excellent. Now, on those teams, um, you know, being the, the youth team, um, you've, you've had the opportunity to coach some of the best players in Australia uh, that have now moved on to the men's team. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but what are, what are maybe your top three or some of your most enjoyable players to coach uh, when they were juniors? Uh, Matthew Lindsay, Matthew Lindsay, and Matthew Lindsay. <laughs> no, apart oh, from okay. Ma- apart from Matthew Lindsay. <laughs> okay, I really enjoyed uh, coaching. Like I spent most of my time coaching uh, the defense. Uh, the last three years, I started worrying more about the forwards. The uh, previous five years are with the defense. And Tom Smale, just a wonderful, wonderful kid from um, uh, uh, Western Australia from Perth. I don't think he's. He's playing anymore, but he was just a terrific, terrific kid to coach. In fact, the whole WA program was really, really well done and well run. Uh, I enjoyed most of the guys, actually, that came out from there. I mean, the Austin kid, not Steve Austin. He's the father. Um, Spencer Austin. Uh, he was really, really great to coach because his enthusiasm was phenomenal. He was just brilliant. Billy Cliff, just a great player. I mean, he, he turned up and played off the team with gloves that didn't have any uh, palms on him, so he could actually hold his stick with his hand and the rest of his gloves were just flopping around his stick. <laughs> Billy, no, you can't actually play like that. So we had to find him gloves really, really quickly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Lukash uh, Manko, he was a wonderful kid to coach as well too. So uh, the thing that I was really impressed with is how the, all the defence corps in all those years, all over all that time, took on the mantle of the uh, pat on the back if you got a pat on the back from Stephen Lindsay, you had a huge game, and then there'd be a big party after it with everyone screaming and yelling, all about just getting a pat on the back. <laughs> it was wonderful. That's great. Yeah, um, I just wanted to finish up uh, my end with Dad saying, obviously, uh, we've played together for a number of years in summer seasons, Division One. Um, you were fortunate enough to play with my elder sister, Megan, your daughter, um, several years ago in Division 2, back mm-hmm. before the NIHL came around. Um, now, I know it's yeah. one of your goals to play with uh, my younger sister, uh, Emma, your other daughter, mm-hmm. but she's obviously in Division 3. Yeah. So I know you're in Division 2 now and you're starting to try pretend that you're you know, can't handle Division One anymore, uh, potentially can't handle Division Two. Is there a strategy here to try get us to approve a Division Three uh, season for you to get a shot with Emma? Look, that's what I love about you, Matthew. You can see straight through me. Is it that obvious that that's the strategy? Really? Jeez. <laughs> oh, but uh, certainly I would love to get that opportunity to play with her. And as, you know, I'm getting older, I'm also getting a lot slower as well too. So I'm sure... That opportunity probably will happen in the next year or two, as long as she keeps playing, of course. But that would just be a wonderful memento for me because uh, the experience of being able to play with all my kids at different stages in my career would be just a, a phenomenal thing. 
Yep, definitely. Well, Steve, I don't know if it'll be you slowing down, but more maybe the Division Three players catching up to you because they are just coming <laughs> along. Great guns. Um, look, I had a couple more things on sure. my list. I'm going to leave injuries off it because uh, we know you've had a whack of those and, and no, no one wants to hear about that stuff that's kept you off the ice for months and months at a time. Um, but I've just got two, mate. The, and one kind of ties into your uh, goal of getting down to Division Three, or the Division Three is getting up to Steve Lindsay's level. Um, how long do you plan on playing hockey? Not sure if you listened a few episodes ago, but you're actually one of the eldest players in the league. Um, how long will we see Stephen Lindsay getting around the rink on his skates? Look, I don't want to ever stop. And really the way I'm feeling at the moment, I don't feel like I will ever stop saying, well, that age will eventually catch up to all of us, I think. But as long as you're moving, as long as you're doing things, as long as you're active, then uh, the muscles remember that that's what you should be doing, so they keep doing it. So I would really love to keep playing until someone looks me in the face and says, Stephen, no, that would be wonderful. Now, if that's 70, if that's 75, if that's 80, I honestly don't know. It might be like those rugby guys in the uh, World Masters wear the orange pants. Everyone knows that you're not allowed to actually hit them. So <laughs> I might have to do that. But uh, my ambition is to keep playing because I just love this game to death. That's awesome, mate. We'll have to make sure our insurance policies cover all that uh, once you get up there, but I'm sure they will. Now, the last thing I want to touch on is, uh, you know, you've you've been around the game so long, you've overcome all sorts of uh, adversity, none more, none bigger, I should say, than being a left-handed hockey player. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know it's something uh, you're very passionate about, um, left-handed versus right-handed. Well, as I keep telling all the teams I coach, only the best players shoot left because they know what they're actually doing. They're controlling their stick with their dominant hand for most people, which is their top, top hand, which is their right hand. So the left hand, all it does is lever the stick so that uh, the shot comes off or the pass comes off, whereas all the dominance happens on the top hand, the right hand. So that's why if you're right-handed, you should be shooting left. I don't care what anyone says. And that way, if you want to be a superstar, shoot left. <laughs> There you go, Matty. Just think of how many more games in AHL you could have played, mate, if you had have uh, taken your dad's advice when you were younger. That's right, exactly. Might have hit, might have hit the uh, milestones that Dad was able to achieve when he was playing. Um, all right, well, look, we'll uh, obviously I think we'll have to get you Matthew, back at some stage. Matthew, don't sell yourself short. Do not sell yourself <laughs> short. You actually got to play for the Australian men's team for three, four years, whereas I never got that opportunity, unfortunately. So yeah, don't very, undersell yourself. So. Very true. All right, well, yeah, as, as I was about to say, we'll probably get you back at some stage, Dad, for a longer length episode, I think, an interview, because it's, yeah, your story's always fascinated me, and you've been around the game for so long and seen so many different things, and I think it'd be cool for the listeners to get some insight into that. Um, but yeah, as for today's episode, we'll get wrapping up here, so really appreciate you uh, stopping the wood chopping just for a couple of minutes here to talk to <laughs> David myself on the flyby this week, but um, Dave, if there's nothing else from your end, mate, we might look at wrapping up. No, that's it for me, mate. That wood's not going to chop itself. <laughs> Correct. Now, con- congratulations to both of you for a wonderful podcast. You're doing a great job, you two. And for what you're doing for Australian and Newcastle Ice Hockey is sensational. Awesome, Dad. Appreciate Thanks, it. Appreciate we'll uh, talk to you again real soon. Okay, bye. Thanks, Dad. Bye. Now, let's jump into our final segment for this week's episode, Davey, in Dave's Question Corner. <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, I used to do some scenarios with you back when we first introduced the corner. So thought I'd jump into just a couple quick scenarios today before we get into any 
questions or final comments to wrap up the episode. Uh, so you're all right to answer off the fly here, a couple of scenarios. Absolutely, mate. If I, mate, if I couldn't do it off the fly, how could we call this thing the fly bite? There you go. Spot on. All right. They're not really super detailed uh, scenarios here, mate. I just want to get an, a true and honest answer out of yourself um, relating back to your AIHL career, I suppose, and what you really think you would have done in these cases. So number one, the puck gets dumped into your defensive corner. So you play right D most of the time. So down in the, the right defensive corner, and it's a race between yourself and none other than Andrew White back in his prime, mate. Now, a lot of people may not remember Andrew White, but he played for the Ice Dogs, um, was pretty built, uh, quite dirty, and really knew how to hit players. So I've got you and him going head-to-head for the puck, mate, that's dumped into your corner. So I want to see what you would realistically do. Would you speed up to try to get there first, play the puck, and get into a safe spot? Um, or would you hold back, do the Starkey, play it safe, and defend uh, the net, so be between the puck and the net, and allow Whitey to get it first. Great scenario, mate. Um, well, look, uh, one of the things that would affect this would be who's my D partner. Uh, if it was yourself, I might try to get there first and just softly put it back into your corner so, <laughs> so Whitey can keep me. his speed <laughs> and, uh, and plan a hit on, on your side. But no, nah, uh, look, what I would do is uh, I would do the, the Starkey. I would... Um, no, I shouldn't say Starkey because that that's, uh, sounds like it's a bit of shot at, a shot at him and it's definitely not. But I'd probably try to make some pre-contact with Whitey um, and that is before we get to the puck, kind of stopping and pre-checking him, which is not interference. You're allowed a bit of pre-contact before going to the puck in a mm-hmm. contact game. Um, try to get a bit of pre-contact just to kill his speed away and then I can still get to the puck first. Um, or if he gets to the puck first, we're at the same speed that I can then play defense and pin him to the wall. Um, but a player like Whitey coming down in the, in his offensive zone there on a, on a deep kind of forecheck or pinch, seeing as he was a defenseman, uh, I've seen him do that a ton of times over the years, and he's generally going in to lay a big hit or to, or to take a penalty to do something that's really going to impact the game. So I'd try a bit of pre-contact, and knowing he's in that frame of mind, a player in that area, I would probably try to go back at him in the pre-contact and, and get some sort of scrum whistle out of it where we can both get a penalty, to be honest. Yep. Um, that's kind of how I played my whole career. Whereas if even if it was just two minutes each, I think uh, myself sitting in the box next to a player like uh, Andrew White, who played for Australia, uh, is probably a pretty good trade. doesn't hurt our team. Uh, it only helps our team by weakening the other team. All right. I like it. That's excellent. And, and I should have prefaced the Starkey play because he was he was the best at doing that and um to me it was smart right like you're Mm. um you're able to control the environment a little bit better um and he was quite good at pinning the other the opponent and separating the puck from them once they got it so um obviously that allowed him to play as long as he did but yeah no good to good to hear that answer i thought that was probably what i predicted for yourself just on top of that maddie sorry before question two but little yeah there's those little kind of nuances of the game that uh, i'm not sure a lot of fans see or appreciate and particularly defensemen going back for pucks because sometimes you might think like oh why didn't you just go get it um when sometimes that's not going to be the best play because you're going to leave yourself vulnerable and although you get it what are you going to do with the puck is it just going to be another turnover so um things you know if you watch defensemen at every level going back for pucks it's looking what they're doing on the way there, um, the angle they're taking to the puck, because that's a big one too. 
knowing that, uh, you know, a player really wants to make contact with you, sometimes changing your angle a little bit and skating away from the puck initially and coming at the puck at a different angle is going to give you an advantage and them a disadvantage. So yeah, a lot of little nuances there and, and Starkey was uh, a master at it. Yep. Love it. All right. Question two, the opposition is on the power play and they have Zane Jones on their teammate and he is on the half wall lock and loaded, ready to go for a Ben Armstrong one-timer. Jesus. You are on his, so you're playing left D in this scenario, mate on the PK so Zane is someone that you are trying to defend. Now the puck slides over to him. Do you get in the angle and block that shot or do you do the flamingo? Oh, geez. Uh, I think um, there's been times, particularly late in my career, that uh, I, would, I wouldn't I would do so much the flamingo. I would do the fake fake work, working hard and pretending that I really <laughs> thought and was trying to be in that lane. Uh, but I didn't want to get hit by that. Um, yep. But I would like to think for the majority of my career, at least, although it wouldn't be enjoyable, uh, I just would would grip my teeth and bear it and uh, hopefully get it somewhere that I had good protection. And I'd probably cheat toward him a little bit yep. um, that I could, might be able to get there first, or maybe I'm in such a good position that he doesn't even shoot it. So yeah, it kind of de- <laughs> depends what year you got me on. I would like to say I would block it, but uh, I also thought think later in my career i did develop that skill of uh making it look like i was trying real hard to get in that lane uh, but just wasn't quite in it there you go all right i got away with that one on sky the thought as soon as i mentioned something like shot blocking you would have brought my name into it and brought up that famous picture of uh well, myself thinking i was in the i did the have i did uh, have it on my list today to post another picture on instagram so that that one could oh, make perfect. its way there but that the, <laughs> what the beauty of that picture is um and we'll have to post it so people can see it, is uh, that um, there's two people in that frame. Uh, well, three, I guess, if you include our goalie. And one of them is uh, Adam Garrick, who was, I think his most enjoyable thing to do on a hockey rink was block a shot. And, I, and I'm not even exaggerating with that. I honestly yep. think he enjoyed that more than scoring a goal. Um, there were times where he for sure had some serious damage to his body but just refused treatment and was just sitting there in pain, but smiling in the dressing room between periods. Like he loved blocking shots. And uh, so you and him are both down in, in uh, what you think is the shooting lane. <laughs> I think he's in it and he's just calm faced eyes on the puck blocking that lane. And you're a bit off to the side um, eyes closed hand up near the face grimacing in preparation for possibly blocking a shot yep. uh it's just one of the all-time photos mate it is it is <laughs> uh, um and the final one i have here mate is you find yourself on a two-on-o uh breakaway i suppose now it's yourself and north star's own patrick naden i want to know if given the context of it being with patty do you pass it to him do you shoot it or do you fake and deke for a goal? Oh, look, I'm pretty certain uh, I know exactly how it would play out. And I think if it was a very early two-on-one. Uh, it's a two-on-o, mate. Sorry, two-on-o. two-on-o. Sorry, I didn't know that. But very early two-on-o, like in the neutral zone, I would probably slide it to Patty and then just back off my speed a little bit so he treated it like a breakaway. 
Okay. Um, because I, re- I really back him and not so much myself in that situation at the AIHL level. Um, but if not, if so if we were already in the zone and I had the puck, I would probably attack the net pretty hard and do my best to fake shooting it, like eyes on the goalie, maybe a bit of stick flex, and then sliding it over to Patty so he could hopefully one-time it in the net. Um, but I would probably do that early enough that if he couldn't one-time it, he could then deke the goalie out. But I think me shooting that puck would be um, probably one of my last options. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, that's all I had for the scenarios, mate. So I'll hand it to you for any questions or final um, discussion points before we wrap up for the week. Yeah, mate. Look, questions have been a bit quiet today on the uh, on the Instagram, which is where we get most of our questions at Newcastle Ice Hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's probably just because everyone is still, uh, you know, buckled over from those gags we put up there <laughs> and myself. But um, something, a bit of feedback from last week was talking about lockdown movies. So obviously in this lockdown, uh, it's kind of getting to that stage. I really felt it today where it is a bit boring and we're almost, well, we are through this week already. And I've looked back and I have achieved some things around the house that uh, I'd set out to do. But at the same time, I've kind of, I'm kind of like, wow, where where has this week gone? It's honestly feels like it's just flashed flashed in front of my eyes, which could be a good thing for a lot of people. It might be going just painfully slow, so I shouldn't complain. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I definitely would love to just get out and do things again and see people again, but we can't do it. However, uh, lockdown. So there are things we're definitely watching more TV than we ever have. Um, still not too much during the day, but at night, you know, um, later in the evening, we'll, we'll watch some shows. And some people had, had uh, mentioned that they had had some discussions and they kind of asked me of what are some all-time movies that people may not have seen uh, or what's kind of hot in lockdown. So, you know, that's probably something I can put out there on the, uh, the Instagram at Newcastle mm. Ice Hockey. Uh, and get some input over that. But I thought uh, maybe, Maddie, we can share some of ours and there might be something in there that people may not have seen and might add it to their lists because I know I'm always looking for good suggestions to add to my list. So I'm going to start with movies and I'm, I'm throwing this, this on you. So if you think of any, let me know. I'm going to give you my top three and then uh, one that may be a bit of a, a sleeper pick. So I'm not as big on the movies. Uh, we're watching more TV series of late, which we'll get to mm-hmm. in a second. But uh, <clears throat> just off the top here, I, I'm on my computer. I've jotted down without giving it too much thought. You know, what would be my three all-time movies? Now, my number one all-time movie, which is absolute must-see. I've, I've seen it in the hundreds because it's just everyone has that one movie that is just their favorite. Uh, and mine is Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise. Okay. Like, to me, nothing better. And you are say, a big Cruise fan. I'm a big Tom Cruise fan, and people can that may rub people up the wrong way because he's, but as an actor, just just love him. But uh, so that's by far my number one, and I don't think it'll ever be knocked off just because it's been my number one my whole life. Days of Thunder, uh, and then Moneyball with Brad Pitt, excellent book and excellent movie. Yep, um, like Million that. Dollar that Baby. Yeah, Moneyball is good. Million Dollar Baby is one where that I, I can't remember where I first watched it. It wasn't at the movies, but I was watching it thinking this is okay. And then there's a bit of a twist at the end. I'm not going to give it away. I just remember watching the credit, well, not watching the credits, but the credits came up and thinking, wow, that's actually a really good, well done movie. Uh, so much so that it's in my top three all time. Um, okay. And I've just realized I've seen that one. 
it's uh it's with uh i can't remember but um there's uh the guy in it is uh been in everything so you would you definitely know it probably million dollar yeah. baby oh yeah. clint eastwood clint eastwood that's the guy yes i absolutely have seen that the boxing one Great yeah, yeah, movie, yeah yeah brilliant so, movie and then uh, uh you know i've gone more than three here but uh, a lighter one it's just an all-time funny one for me is wedding crashes i think uh, my group of friends in that kind of era that's just one we would quote a lot and have a lot of little uh, inside jokes about. And uh, to this day, it just cracks me up. And I still have some sayings in my head from wedding crashes. And then my uh, dark horse sleeper pick would be for anyone. I stumbled across this one day, possibly on Netflix. I can't remember where I watched it, but it was a bit of like I, I nothing going on. I just had to have something on the TV. I wasn't really watching. And I found myself watching and couldn't take my eyes off it. And at the end, same thing. I thought, no, it's actually really good movie. How have I not heard about this? Mm. And it's called draft day, um, which is about the NFL draft with, um, Oh mate, who was the bot, the guy, the bodyguard. Oh yeah. Uh, he was a guy that was from game of Thrones. Wasn't he? Oh, I'm not, a, I don't watch game of Thrones, but Kevin Costner, <laughs> okay. Kevin Costner. That's him, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I don't know that, if he's in the bodyguard, is he? But yeah, Kevin Costner. Yeah, he in, is uh, the bodyguard. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, mate, if you haven't seen The Bodyguard, add that to your list. Great movie. I might be thinking of Bodyguard, the movie, uh, the series, sorry. Yeah, no, no, not the series. This is one with uh, Whitney, Whitney Houston. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, legendary. But anyway, mate, um, we'll get on to some TV shows and, and books and such, but uh, any movies that you think people um, that should be on their must-watch list? Um. I, I'm a huge fan of uh, kind of dramas, twist-based movies, that sort of thing. Um, now, my ultimate movie, I think, would have to be Memento, uh, which I think you've seen now, haven't you? I've mentioned it to you a few times. I don't know if you have. but uh, Yeah, I haven't. No. Okay. It's basically a movie that's played in reverse. So you see the ending at the start, and then it goes uh, um, yeah, kind of backwards as to how we got to that point, and it's – it's quite fascinating. Um, now it's not. It's not that movie that uh, you, Matt. You've always told me I have to watch this movie, and the way you sold it to me was, it's the worst movie ever made. Um, <laughs> it's got the lowest score ever, and I said it sounded awful. But you said no, it's so bad that it's good. I have to watch it, and I haven't watched it. But uh, what movie was that? Oh yeah, that's the one that they've done a remake remake of recently. Uh, can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, absolutely dreadful. I'll have to find that and we'll have to post it later on. But yeah. some people might know that just based off me saying that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was recently redone um, and equally as, as shocking, really. And I will say, um, if anyone's got, we want to hear more of this. So if you have um, ones that we haven't said or you can comment on any, any we have, shoot us a line, uh, whether you tag us in your story or just DM us at, uh, at Newcastle Ice Hockey on Instagram. <laughs> join the conversation but go on go ahead Matty. um yeah moving on to to tv shows um a must watch i think for everyone is ted lasso so season two is happening right now uh, it is on apple tv plus which is a bit of a shame because not a lot of people have that or want to get that because honestly there's nothing else on that subscription other than ted lasso but um it's certainly worth the watch uh it's a very feel-good TV show, lighthearted. Um, you have a smile after every episode. It's it's basically a an American coach goes over and coaches in the um, English. I don't know if it's the Premier League or um, 
some some league over there, some soccer league, and um, just a story of going through what a team's like, and it's just very relatable, especially if you play sports. So I think our, our NHL community would would certainly relate to a lot of the stories that happen in it. But um, that's certainly been one that we've been watching quite a lot during this lockdown. Um, but still, my ultimate TV show of all time has to be Breaking Bad. Yes, yes. That's mate. That is something that uh, now I, I've Ted Lasso is probably the next on my list to watch. I don't have the Apple thing, but I'll I'll get it for that. Um, but Breaking Bad is something that I came to late. In fact, you, um, I think I used to give it to you on a yeah, USB, il- didn't I? Yeah, plainly illegally on a USB. So um, you might just want to share your address after this for the authorities, Maddie. But you did on on a USB, and uh, me and my wife started watching that um, before we were living in, in, in this house, we were watching on a laptop and it was one of those ones where it was like a hour long episodes and it all of a sudden it'd be, you know, 1230 at night and we'd look at each other and be like, yep, yeah, one more, one more. And we crushed it in a few weeks. It, uh, yeah, it's still my number one uh, TV show, Breaking Bad. Absolutely. Uh, any others there for us, mate, for TV shows? Uh, that's all I've got, mate. That's all I can think of off the top of my head. So um, over to you. Yeah, so Breaking Bad is our number one. Yellowstone, like we've spoken about before, I've got the hat because of it, um, was excellent. New se- uh, season dropping later this year. Ozark. Um, yep, it's a good one, actually. Yeah, similar, kind of similar to Breaking Bad, but it took me a, a while to get into that, um, but it is a good one. And uh, again, new episodes later this year. Nashville, we're just starting the final season, uh, hopefully tonight. Um, and I, my wife's over it. She is totally off it, but I, I just can't get enough of it. I love the Nashville, uh, the music and everything. And Animal Kingdom, uh, new episodes weekly right now in the latest season. We love that one. And uh, there was a, there's a few kind of little... 30-minute shows that we watch just for some comedy every now and again, maybe while we're cooking dinner. Well, it's just on. But, uh, mate, one sleeper would be King of the Hill. Did you okay, ever watch King of the Hill? No, I've, I've known of it forever, but no, I never really got into it. Oh, I love King of the Hill. Uh, can't, can't get enough of that. Uh, but anyway, mate, moving on. Um, books. Uh, so I'm a... I'm not a big reader, although, but I do have a lot of books and I have read a lot of books, but um, if I'm reading a book, I I like to kind of buy it, keep it, add it to my library. Um, So there's just two. One I read a long time ago and I have reread it since, but it's my kind of like Days of Thunder, mate. It's my number one. I don't think it'll ever be knocked off. And that is uh, Andre Agassi's um, autobiography called Open. Uh, okay. excellent book for particularly if you're uh, an athlete or into sports. Uh, and uh, I only really have ever read biographies um, or kind of documentaries. If that, I don't know if that's a word you'd use for books, but uh, bad blood is a really good one that I've read, but the, the first kind of novel um, that's a word, right? Novel for a, a yes, uh, yep. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> you can tell I don't read many of them is a, a friend recommended it to me and similar to Breaking Bad, could not put it down. I'd read before bed and there were times where, you know, my wife's like, come on, let's get that light off. And I was like, give me a couple more pages, a couple more pages. And part of it, I was I literally had goosebumps, but uh, it's called American Dirt by Janine Cummings. Um, absolutely unreal book. So I won't say too much more about that. Go and Google it if you're looking for a good read. 
Um, I'm a pretty slow reader and I crushed that in probably a week, which for me is at lightning speed. So there's um, some books, but now mate, last one, sorry, do you have any books to add? Um, I was just about to say, what was the one that you gave me a couple of years back to read? I can't even think of the name, but it was, um, I know it was really good. <laughs> was it a, was it a biography? Uh, I don't think so. Like it was around was it the time. Book? Yeah, it was a hockey book. It was around the time that. Um, I was reading, uh, who was the old coach at Toronto again? Babcock read his yep. book and I thought that was great until the recent stuff came out about him, but, um, oh, mate, it could be anything. I, I have heaps and heaps of hockey books. Um, one of my favorite, was it Gabby? Gabby, maybe it was Gabby. Gabby's a Bruce Boudreau biography. Yes. I think that's uh, it. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yes. Uh, that was it. Another Bruce really Boudreau. good one, which this could have been it too, is um, Ray Scapanello, who is an NHL linesman. He has a really good book out with some great stories in it. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, and that all is right. it. That's all I have for uh, things to keep you occupied in lockdown. Uh, that's right. Hockey. All right. Well, um, Let's uh, move on now to slotting in our little jingle to wrap up the episode, mate. And as we do, um, have you got any final words for the listeners this week? Um, mate, just that so we love the feedback. We love hearing from the listeners. i got to apologize. Sometimes I'm not really quick in getting back to everyone, whether it's through my personal or the uh, Newcastle Ice Hockey. But uh, the more, the better. We want your interaction. We want your suggestions. We want to hear what you like, don't like long episodes short episodes more of maddie less of dave whatever um so get get the feedback to us we really want you to be a part of this podcast and uh we hope you're all doing well in lockdown uh but reach out because there's a big hockey community out there and we want to hear from you perfect mate all right thanks guys for listening again for this week hopefully we've occupied your time for a little bit as you're staying safe in lockdown and we will see you back here next week for episode 25 